So Marshall, I saw the new James Bond without you. Oh. It was fine. Fine. Just fine. <laughs> Well, well, welcome to episode 416 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Brian Levin. And I'm Mama Marshall Bach. Welcome back for another episode. Brian, how you doing? What a day, Marshall. What a day. What a day. I feel like, here. here's how I'm feeling, okay? Can we just Apple fanboy out a little bit here? <laughs> okay. Uh, remember the September event? You and I were pretty down on Apple events. Yeah. It was fine. It was incremental. It was okay. Yeah, production quality was great, but... It was missing the magic. Today, Marshall, I felt the magic again. Yeah. I even got chills at one point. Dude, there was times where I was literally just like spamming you in messages, (laughs) in all caps, just being like, (laughs) fuck, holy shit, oh my God. And you were, I think, what, like 10 seconds behind me on the stream, so it's probably really annoying. (laughs) Like, spoilers, dude. But it was nice, because like, oh shit, something good is coming up here. Something's coming, something's coming. Anyways, all to say, I'm feeling good. I'm very excited to talk about Apple's event in today's sidebar. Otherwise, I'm doing good. How are you? Excellent. It was an expensive day, Brian, but yeah, I'm feeling <laughs> yeah. good. Feeling good. About to hey, upgrade hey. a lot of important things in my life. All right. Well, let's talk about that in a minute before we get started with the show. Huge shout outs to a new sponsor, Simply. Simply, spelled S-Y-M-P-L-I, builds design, version control, and developer handoff tools to help teams collaborate on design. You can check out their design to development plugins for all of the major design tools, including a version control app for Sketch. That's it, simply.io, S-Y-M-P-L-I.io. Thank you, Simply. Thanks, Simply. We're also supported this week by Play. Back again, Play is the first native iOS design tool where you can design phone apps on your phone and they're looking for iOS engineers to join their team. If you are an iOS engineer or you know a great iOS engineer who wants to work on the future of design tools, go to createwithplay.com slash careers to apply. Thank you, Play. Thanks, Play. And last but not least, Plume is back empowering a billion smart devices at home and in small businesses with their suite of adaptive Wi-Fi, AI security, and parental controls. They're hiring product designers. If you want to build the future of smart home services, they're looking for you. You can find more about the role at designdetails.fm slash plume. Thanks, Plume. Links for all these in the show notes. Thank you, everybody, for, for supporting the show. We also have some new very important pixels this week. We do. Here's the uh, heuristic for if this is going to be a fun section for me or not, is the amount of red underlined squigglies <laughs> on people's names. <laughs> yeah, yep, yep, yep. I don't know why Apple sometimes decides a name deserves a squiggle or not, but I know for me, it's that's where I'm probably going to fuck up. So anyways, here we go. I'm really sorry if I mispronounced your name, but huge shout outs to our new very important pixels supporting the show. Daniel Dijian Domenico, Klaus Cho, Abhishek Mishra, Karina Casamanova, Mackenzie Nason, Raphael Esu Snowden, and Nicole Chen. Yes? Yeah. How'd I do? <laughs> Pretty good. Welcome to the fam, everybody. Yeah, welcome to the fam. Be sure to catch uh, your first sidebar this week. We'll be talking all about Apple's Unleashed event. Yeah. If you didn't know, we're a listener-supported podcast, which means that every week listeners just like you 
make it possible for us to record comes together on Patreon at patreon.com slash design details, where for just a buck a month, just a buck a month, you can get access to bonus episodes every single week. We do this with a supporter only episode called the sidebar sidebar sidebar. It is a chance for us to answer an extra listener question, go deep on another design topic or on weeks like this week, we get to recap events. And today we're talking all about Apple's unleashed event with the new MacBook Pros, new M1 chips, and a whole lot more. So if you want to hear our deep dive into the Apple event, be sure to go to patreon.com slash design details, sign up, and uh, not only will you get today's sidebar, but you also get access to our whole backlog of bonus episodes as well as double episodes every week going forward. So once again, that's patreon.com slash design details. It's just a buck a month. It's just a buck a month. Okay, Marshall, main topic, time. Got a good listener question on GitHub. Priscilla Then asks... For the last year, my work has gotten the QA people to do UI reviews, which has been difficult because they don't have the visual and technical training, and they also don't know CSS to be able to make specifications, nor are they able to update the design system. Hmm. They very often miss things that I have to create a ticket to be fixed later and spend so much time in communication when asking me to check their work that I might as well have reviewed it myself, and the time they spent trying to figure out an issue could have been better used at doing what they're good at. Unfortunately, I'm the only designer out of a team of 20 plus devs and several QA people. So they want me to focus on designing at a higher level, like wireframes and mocks, and not checking for the minor details. I also haven't worked at a bigger company that has more than one designer. So I'm wondering, how does it work at other companies? Are there any shared processes or experiences that would be greatly appreciated? Thanks for the question, Priscilla. Yeah, Marshall, I've, I've always found this to be challenging, and I even still find it challenging. Like, how do you make sure that the details ship correctly the ui is correct what you designed got built and that's what customers are seeing it is a lot of process overhead communication overhead it feels impossible to get it just right so yeah i'm curious how do you navigate this i don't know ui qa review yeah so i work at a pretty large company at youtube and so we have a lot of designers a lot of engineers and a lot of process as a result and that means that a lot of time the people reviewing work weren't necessarily the people who worked on it initially. The people who work on it initially, the actual designers do an audit before it gets to that next level of process. And then there's another launch review that happens after that, which is also in parallel with an eng launch review to make sure that their code is accurate and all that stuff. So everybody is working kind of in parallel to make sure that all the parts are as they were designed or intended. And every discipline has their own, we call it like a bit to flip. So everybody has this bit that needs flipped. And in order for the thing to launch, all of the bits need to be flipped. Otherwise, it gets blocked. This ensures that every single discipline can say, no, this isn't up to our standards. Something is broken or flag it and say like, okay, we can still launch this thing. But something we noticed here, we need to fix this as soon as possible. Does that make sense? Yeah, 100%. I, I'm sitting here imagining what it would be like to be the one person who doesn't want to flip the bit, like having design hold up a thing from shipping. I don't know, there's quite a lot at stake, right? Like there's reputation at stake, there's sort of the discipline at stake. Like you don't want to be known as design always blocks us from flipping the last bit and we have to spend more time. Yeah, the pressure is more on the product team because they're assumed to have done their own internal review beforehand. So that by the time the UX launch reviewers see the stuff, it should be buttoned up and everything good to go. If they catch anything, that's like a second net. But there are very well-defined reasons 
for the priority of a bug that gets identified. There's priority zero, one, and two. Zero is like, this is broken. It will make the app feel broken. Mm -hmm. Ones are like, it's wrong, but it doesn't feel too bad. And nobody will probably notice. We notice and we need to fix this thing. Let's flag it, mark it as a bug. Mm -hmm. But this thing can still launch. And UX2 is like, yeah, we're literally the only ones that are going to notice, but we, we want to make sure that this thing is <laughs> as good as it can be. So let's uh -huh. fix it this quarter or next quarter or something like that, right? So there's a, a gradient of intensity that these things can be prioritized with. But when something comes up as a bug and you say, hey, is this how you intended it? Because usually the people that worked on it, either an engineer or a PM or a UXer or all three, hopefully, are in the room to answer these types of questions. So when you say like, is this how it's supposed to work? Is this what you intended? They can say, oh, actually, no, we flagged that before, or no, mm -hmm. we didn't notice that. Thanks for pointing that out. And then we can say, okay, well, based on our rules of what a zero, a one, and a two are, I mean, it sucks. <laughs> it sucks for the team, but the expectations are well-established, and the philosophy behind each one of those priorities is pretty undeniable. So it's like you just go, well, it breaks it, so... It, this shouldn't ship or it looks bad, <laughs> but not no, too yeah. terrible. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That makes sense. I would say, I don't know. I guess it also depends on the team, right? Like I'm trying to think, what is it that we do at GitHub? And I, I feel like I know of lots of different processes on lots of different teams. So I can just speak to maybe some of the practices we have on the mobile side, which we have three designers on the team and engineers. And I think mostly it's up to the designers to do their own QA and are more or less responsible for the craft work of the thing that is getting built and shipped. And so I don't know what it's like to work with a QA person, especially QA on the UI side. I've never experienced that. And so, I don't know, in my experience, like since I'm responsible for it on the features that I'm working on that are going to ship, I'm responsible for making sure that it's sort of meets our bar for UI quality and UX quality. My favorite thing to do is just get in, well, I guess in this day and age is get in a Zoom call with an engineer that's working on the thing and just hash it out in real time. Literally screen share, point at a thing. Okay, this should be here. This should work this way. This should be this color. This text should be this. Like go through and just literally in real time fix all of the shit. And it's way more fun doing that in person. I had a really great experience leading up to the initial launch of the mobile apps where uh, I got to do this with a few engineers. We just literally sat in a room for like two hours and just hashed out a ton, a ton, a ton of really small UI nits. And that was incredibly productive. It was awesome. And now in a remote world, in a Zoom world, I found that a lot of this process does get deferred to async communication channels like issues. And personally, I find this really draining. I hate opening up a bunch of issues with annotated screenshots and it's tedious. Nobody likes doing it. So when possible, I always try and fall back to Let's just get on a call with the team who is working on this thing and it will be a longer call. It'll be an hour, two hours, but let's just hash out the details and fix it in real time. Not always possible, but I try and gravitate there when possible. Another thing that we do, I don't know, maybe you do this as well, Marshall, I'm sure, is we let things bake in a beta or a staff ship period for a while. So at least on the mobile side, this is a little bit easier for us with things like the Play Store beta program and test flight on iOS, where we have like two separate versions of the app and they have different audiences. And we let those betas sit live in front of those beta audiences for a week before anything ever hits prod. And so on iOS, we you know 10,000 test users and on Android, we have more. And a week there helps us spot a lot of issues. 
And then quite often we'll have staff ship for GitHub employees, either something for many weeks or a week leading into the beta where any employee at the company can have an opportunity to spot issues. So we do let things bake for a while before they eventually make their way to a 100% rollout. And depending on the percentage that you're launching to, that could require a view or not, right? Like if you're only going to launch like 1% or less, sometimes that doesn't have to go through a review because not that many people are going to see it. But the larger percentage you become (laughs) visible to, the the higher the bar needs to be. Yeah, it's so funny to think about 1% at different scales. Like 1% (laughs) at your scale is very different than 1% at my scale. So (laughs) yeah, yeah, (laughs) different pressures. Scary, yeah. Yeah, and that's why you kind of have to have these rules set in place of like nothing goes out that hasn't been looked over pretty heavily. And I, I think in Priscilla's case, the nice thing that you have is you don't need to have all of the extra context that I usually have to have when I go into a launch review where it's like, okay, I need to see the Figma files and screenshots of what it's supposed to look like. What did the designer intend? Because I haven't maybe seen that before. So like, let me look at those screenshots and I'm combining that with like, my knowledge of what our actual overall spec is for padding and spacing and all that stuff. And I'm eyeballing things and checking to make sure that colors look right. So it's a combination of these things. And a lot of times I don't know where it came from, but you're the one who did all of it. So it should be a lot easier Mm. for you to immediately point out like, oh, that's wrong. That color is wrong. That spacing is wrong, whatever. But one of the things that you just said, which I think is also useful advice here is, you know, you work at the systems level and, I think that thinking about these UI nits and UI polish at the systems level is probably the right thing to do here. So for example, if you find yourself constantly nitpicking paddings or text colors or text sizes or alignments, these are signs that the system hasn't matured and you should be fixing things at the component or system level rather than doing a bunch of one-off nudges or one-off sort of overrides in CSS. Like something is wrong deeper down. And so if you notice yourself doing that, just I would try and abstract that into components where if you get the component right one time, then it solves that class of problem everywhere the component gets used downstream, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's maybe one one thought here, Priscilla. And then one other thing that I've done, Marshall, maybe you've done this as well, is there's like literally two things that you can show your engineers how to do in Figma that makes the world of difference, which is, Learned how to command click on a thing to Uh sort of drill down and click on an element and then learn how to hold option and mouse around and measure the distance between the thing you just selected and the stuff around it. Well, actually, that's only if they have an editor license. Your your engineers Mm -hmm. might only have the free license, in which case they'll automatically be in inspect mode and you don't even have to hold command. Uh, So that's been really useful for me is like just get engineers in a headspace where it's easy for them to open the file, the source file, and measure against the spec. Mm-hmm. And then another thing, this kind of goes back to encapsulating things at the systems level is, you know, we have some guidelines on our team that are documented, but also just known throughout our team that, you know, we build things on a base four grid system. So if you mm-hmm. ever see a measurement that's, you know, this element is 15 points away from this element, it's probably a mistake. It should mm-hmm. probably be 16. So I think engineers know that if it's not a 12, a 16, a 20, those kinds of measurements, it's just a bug and they don't have to actually go and hard code 13, 15, 17. They should probably just do the rounding to the nearest thing. So having team cultures and patterns and processes like that has reduced a lot of the overhead for me where now most of my nits are like, oh, you know, 
that looks like a grid three, which for us is 12. Maybe it should be grid four, 16. And when possible, extract that out into a rule for some component, and then you don't have to worry about it ever again. Yeah, this is huge. Just getting everybody in the same mind space of like what the grid is, what your key lines are, what your common values are that you... Not sorry, not, not like your common morals and <laughs> your morals, you your ethics, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, your your common ethos. No, your the actual like number values of the things that use your your design tokens, right? The tokens, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, once your engineers have that internalized, you'll never have to correct a fifteen to a sixteen ever again, and it'll save you so much time. I mm-hmm. uh, hope this was helpful, Priscilla. If not, leave a comment on the issue. Yeah, if not, we sure talked about it for a long time for it to not be helpful. <laughs> <laughs> hope, hopefully there's a nugget in there. We'll Something. see. All right, let's do some cool things. All right, my cool thing this week is 12 Minutes. It's a video game. It's an indie game that I had been waiting on for like years and years. It was announced at a GDC like four or five years ago, something like that. And it's been in development, I think, seven years total. And after they showed the initial announcement trailer, they got Willem Dafoe, Daisy Ridley, and James McAvoy on board to do voice acting for it. It wasn't really necessary. In retrospect, it could have been fucking anybody. And, you know, the premise is really good, though. So it's it's called 12 Minutes because you're stuck in a time loop where at the end of that 12 minutes, it always restarts. And you're kind of trying to figure out how to get out of this loop. Okay. It starts with... You come home from work. Your wife has a surprise that she's going to tell you over dinner. And then someone knocks on the door, busts down the door, knocks you out, and is going to arrest your wife for murder. Pretty crazy. And then when you get knocked out, it starts over and you're coming home from work and your wife is there and you're like, wait, I remember this thing. So it becomes this loop of learning each time through and getting knocked out or shot or killed or whatever figuring out a little bit more each time, experimenting with stuff. It's a point-and-click puzzle where you're basically in a small apartment, one bedroom, one bathroom, a closet, and the main area. It's a very small play area, but so much is packed into that as far as like interactivity and like finding out how reactions will happen from different characters as you try different stuff. It's a fun little puzzle game. It took about four hours for me to play. I, I played it like on a Sunday. Very enjoyable. Goes to some pretty crazy places near the end. But yeah, enjoyable little game. I think it's it's not even full price. It's like twenty bucks or something like that. Uh, let's see here, twenty five dollars on Steam. It sounds right. Yeah, Steam. Cool. It's very much my type of game. It's a puzzle game, point and click about time travel or like a time loop. I'm in. Yeah, yeah. All right. My cool thing this week is I'm still not sure if it's a cool thing, but I don't know if you've seen all the the hubbub, the buzz on Twitter. Uh, Succession season three started this week. Mm. Have you ever watched Succession? Yeah, we watched the first season, and it was just okay. so miserable. <laughs> yeah. It was very good, okay. but it was miserable. So here's what I wrote down in, in our show notes. I wrote, Succession, a good show where everyone sucks ass. <laughs> like, everyone... So, Accurate. to clarify, I'm on episode three of the first season, and I think I'll keep going. I, I kind of want to see where it goes, but the characters are just so horrible. I it, I just want to watch what happens to them. But fuck, man, it is. I feel like the episodes are really well shot. The acting is good. The story is interesting. But the characters' personalities, they're just such assholes. Like, everyone sucks so much. You, you don't really root for anybody, I guess. 
at least as far in as I am, like no. there's not really anybody to root for, no. in my opinion. No one to root for. Nope, there are yeah. no heroes. Everyone is broken. Everyone's fucked up. Everyone has their own agenda. <laughs> uh-huh. So, but I don't know. People are are, are hyped on season three, so I, I'm going to dip my toes. We'll see how far I get. I, I rarely finish shows like this, but I'll, I'll leave it as my cool thing in case other people are, are in the same boat. They've heard that season three is out and they want to dip their toes in alongside. So, uh, Succession, I think. Yeah, it's on HBO if anyone's interested in getting started there. All right. Well, that's it. Uh, this has been episode 416. Hope you enjoyed it. Let us know what you thought. Designdetails.fm preceded by twitter.com slash and uh, tweet at us. We love hearing from you. And if you want to hear us talk about Apple's Unleashed event, get into the new MacBooks Pro, head on over to patreon.com slash designdetails. Sign up for the show. It's just a buck a month. It's just a buck a month. And uh, yeah, you get access to today's bonus episode as well as the whole backlog of bonus episodes and bonus episodes going forward every week. So that's patreon.com slash design details. And that's it. Catch you next week. Bye. All right, let's do some cool things. Yeah, I'll go first. Okay, Brian, I've been playing a video game lately, and it's been... <gasps> Surprise. Wait, actually, this is new. You haven't played video games in a while, it seems like. You've been on a, a reading kick. No, I, I played 12 Minutes a little while ago, but that was like a four-hour game and you know, just like a one-day thing. But this is a big, Wait, big game. So, Well, what sentence did you just say? I, I played, played a game called 12, 12 minutes, minutes a while ago, but it was only a few hours. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Didn't I do this as a cool thing, 12 Minutes? 12 minutes that's not ringing a bell i'm on their website now willem dafoe daisy ridley james mcavoy james mcavoy yeah yeah didn't i do this as a cool thing no i've never seen this i'm pretty sure i did hold on nope oh my gosh have i not no dude i'm pretty sure i have a bad memory but i'm pretty sure i've never seen this website or heard of this oh my gosh I've never... <laughs> okay, okay. Do a quick diversion from your main cool thing and give me a, a second cool thing. Uh, maybe I'll just make this my cool thing. Okay, my cool thing this week is 12 minutes. <laughs> <laughs>